In the early 2000s, the popularity of horror films was in steep decline. The once proud genre had fallen into a dreary era of by and large uninspired and poorly made schlock, with the exception of a few shining outliers. The subgenres of supernatural haunting, zombie flicks, and torture porn ruled the landscape for much of that 10 year span. But horror would see a brand new resurgence at the turn of the decade with Blumhouse's Insidious, which helped renew filmgoers' desire to go to the theaters and get their pants scared off. Allowing good filmmakers to make quality horror for little money and massive profits was just as good for the studios as it was for the consumer, and horror became reinvigorated. And with new life came innovation, as a crop of young filmmakers arose in the mid-2010s who began to produce horror films with darker, more grounded tones and elevated themes. Hence, a term was coined called elevated horror. Films like The Babadook, It Follows, and today's film, 2015's The Witch, written and directed by Robert Eggers, garnered both critical and financial success, ensuring that this new era of horror was here to stay, at least for a while. So let's see if we can rise to the occasion as we explore this modern elevated horror favorite to see The Witch. What's it about? I'm your host, Ricardo Blade Diaz. And I'm Seth Crow. And this is the What's It About Film Podcast, the show where two aspiring creatives aim to glean the meaning of it all through the media we consume, holding a mirror up to ourselves and seeing how it reflects in our own lives. Seth, how are you today? I'm all right. I'm all right. You know, uh, I'm, I'm honestly feeling a little cursed myself. Yeah, yeah I just found out I have to get a new car. <laughs> what wouldst thou want? <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel hexed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, it's like one of those, uh, so I've been kind of trying to save up my money. I've had an opportunity to save up my money and I finally have got to like a, like a, a place that I've been trying to get to for a really long time. Never in my whole life have I I've hit this financial milestone. And then I find out I have to get a, a car repair that costs the exact amount of money that I have saved. So oh like, my God, the irony! So, yes, so it's like it hurts. I feel, I feel a little, I feel a little hexed. I feel a little like, of course, of course. You're, or, or maybe a better word, you, you feel like you've been witched. He's been yes. witched. I've been witched. <laughs> but so, who knows? Oh man, I'm sorry. That sucks. It's okay. It's okay. But I think uh, you know. This movie is uh, fitting for the times. Fitting for the times. Why? Uh, no, I'm just saying. I've just been. I've been. I've been hexed. I'm just trying to. Yeah. Trying fitting to draw for your times. the parallel. Yeah. Things. Things. Things are going great for me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Great. <laughs> things are going real good over here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if the universe is a flow of energy, you know, positive energy flows one way, that for negative energy gets pushed out and gets pushed somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. We are cosmically connected, so maybe all the positive energy is coming to me, getting pushed over to you, all the negative pushed over to you. Well, you're welcome, buddy. You're welcome. Thanks, man. Thanks for bearing the burden. so yes today we are talking about the witch uh which is a 2015 elevated horror film uh that was set in the 1600s in uh puritan new england uh this film was written and directed by robert eggers uh who has also written directed films such as the lighthouse who he also co-wrote with his brother max eggers and a movie that's in theaters now the northman who he co-wrote with a, a writer named Jean 
S J O N. I think it's Scandinavian. Shon. Uh, but uh, all of his films on Rotten Tomatoes have over at eighty five percent critical rating. Uh, wow. The audience rating is a little bit different, but uh, The Witch is a 90%, The Lighthouse is a 90%, and The Northman is an 89%. So his first three movies in his career are all very highly acclaimed. Uh, I, pretty I talented love this director. director. Yeah. He's uh, probably my favorite modern director right now, for sure. Uh, I mean, and, uh, and as, as I said in the intro, he's definitely, he was one of the early... Uh, I mean, elevated horror has been around for a while, but it's become pop more popular over the last decade or so since about 2013, when things like The Babadook and It Follows uh, and this film all started coming out. These more grounded, dark, uh, uh, you know, filmmakers like Ari Aster and things like that with Midsummer. Um, these types of horrors have become much more popular in recent years, um, and Edgar's has been on the forefront of a lot of that for sure. Yeah. And um, this movie is maybe one of my favorite horror films. It's, it's a pretty it's great movie. Uh, interestingly, uh, it's Rotten Tomatoes for for audience rating is fifty nine percent. So it's, uh, it's rotten according to everyday film goers, and I understand why that's the case because it's definitely not yeah. a film for everybody. It's a slow burn. It's very like it's all at, it's a lot of its atmosphere. There's not a yeah. whole lot going on. Like I even was like like looking at the plot and things like that. I was like, wow, there really is not a lot going on. It well, is Eggers very is like, He's very good with mood. He's oh yeah. Very good at like making you feel something while you watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which like with the lighthouse, I thoroughly enjoyed the lighthouse, but I could never watch that movie again. Mm-hmm. Like I loved it, but it was a physically painful film to experience which mm-hmm. was cool but like that's what he's good at he's good at making you like feel as you're watching you know yeah i my opinions on the lighthouse are that i respect that it's it's really really well made well written it's very smart it's very philosophical and has very deep rich themes i personally didn't Enjoy is the only word I can think of, but like I understand that like you know not all films are meant to be enjoyed when you're experiencing them. You know, you're supposed to, that film wants you to feel kind of gross yeah. and uneasy. Yeah, it, it, but like there's makes, enjoyment in yeah. that. Anybody that loves horror knows like being uncomfortable and grossed out and 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 uneasy is half the fun of going to see these movies. And sometimes you yeah. like it and sometimes you don't like it. And for me, yeah. the lighthouse was I can appreciate it. Cause I think it's, it is a pretty amazingly made and composed film, but that was one of those times where I, I did not like my experience. I did not like another, that feeling. Another movie that's like that is uncut gems. Uncut gems. Un- uncut gems with Adam Sandler. See, I, like, I, that's that for that one. I like that movie because I do like the, and the anxiety that it induces in it's me. It's so it's, stressful. It's it such a stressful movie to watch. Yeah, but yeah, um, those kind of I I dig movies that make you feel stuff, even even if it's not necessarily what I want to feel. You know, mm-hmm. you feel like you're I, learning in a weird mm-hmm. way. Yeah, I just I just not so binary. I know some people are super binary when it comes to that kind of thing. Like they're like, I don't like anything that doesn't make me 
feel happy, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, like it just depends on the movie. Like sometimes I really do want to feel anxious and sometimes I really do want to feel un- unsettled and sometimes it just doesn't work for you, you know? Uh, you, you just yeah. got to do it case by case. For me, that was The Lighthouse. I haven't seen The Northman yet, uh, but I really want, I want to. I I hear it. Great. I hear it's awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty great. Um, so it's definitely on my list of films to see. But today we're talking about The Witch. So yes, again, written and directed by Robert Eggers. This was his directorial debut. Uh, early in his career, uh, he uh, was shopping around and trying to pitch uh, movies and you know scripts to get made and things like that. And uh, he was very often told that the things he was pitching were too weird or too obscure. So mm. he decided to make a small concession and write and create something that was commercially viable uh, and yet still within his artistic interests. And so he went back to his roots and decided to do a story about New England uh, in the era uh, where like witches and the witch hysteria was big because as a child he was – very fascinated by witches and the history of witches. He had even visited uh, the Plymouth Plantation in his youth many times, which is a museum in Plymouth, Mass, uh, that attempts to actually recreate the original settlement of Plymouth. Um, Mm. So he definitely has had a fascination with this time period, this era, this region. Um, He's from New Hampshire, so he's from that New England area. Um, And, yeah, so he ended up writing this film – and it got uh, bought and produced. And, um, for example, some really cool things. He's a, uh, known to be a very uh, aggressive researcher in his in his movies. He does a lot of readings and researches to make things very accurate in really interesting ways. For example, for this film, he read a bunch of books and journals and, like, court recordings uh, from the actual time period to get the, like, way the language was down. Um and how people talk, and many of the di- much of the dialogue in this film is t- directly pulled from many of the writings that he had read. So wow. much of it is actually like words that were written or spoken uh, from people of the time, which I think is really interesting. And even down to the title of the film, the stylized title, which is the double V's for the witch instead of the W. So yeah. the the letter W was not in f- wide use at the time uh, of the 1600s the actual letter wasn't used very often um and so in many of the readings he had done he saw that they wrote the word witch with two v's um so he made that the stylized title uh of the film so yeah this is very and he shot most of the film with mostly natural and light so like v V is pronounced the w in latin mm mm-hmm right well the yeah the letter w itself just wasn't like a, a letter that people like used yet so huh. um uh and yeah so a lot of this film was shot with natural lighting uh they didn't like bring in a whole lot of lights because they were out in like very remote canada shooting this film so like like even like a lot of the interior shots were all lit with like candlelight and things like that like so he's wow. very a very interesting way of making this film and and diving into the actual like process um, and for people that don't know, this film is set in the 1600s and the 1630s. Um, uh, it was around the Puritan era. So Puritans left England because they disagreed with the Roman Catholic Church about the way they were doing things. They thought that the Roman Catholic Church was 
too too lax on specific ways of looking at things. They weren't living pure enough. Yeah. Um, and so the Puritans left. They immigrated to the States or to America uh, and set up their own. And uh, the 1630s was like when like witch hysteria started to come into play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Puritans very much were like – Lots of certain behaviors was very much attributed to the devil and being witched and things like that. This film is set about 60 years before the actual Salem witch trials. So, like, this film is meant to uh, almost be, like, a precursor to what eventually would happen 60 years later. Um, Yeah. Uh, This is something interesting. Uh, This film has been adopted by the Satanic Temple – uh, has been officially endorsed by the Satanic Temple, which is an organization. It, they don't worship Satan. Like, they don't believe in, like, an actual devil. But they more, yeah. like, y- are the, take Satan as a literary metaphor. Yeah. Uh, and But they're like, yeah, this is, a, this is a great film to look at for, like, re- you know, religious themes and, like, you know, uh, religious extremism. And, and it's, uh, it's crazy. Huh. <laughs> Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Very weird, huh? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, I, I have I have lots of feelings about the religious stuff in this movie which are complex. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh if we if you guys think we talk about religion a lot before, <laughs> it's impossible to talk about it not talk about it for this film. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, that's a little bit of history of how this film got made and like what the process of making it was. Um, but let's talk about what it is. So if you have not seen this film in a long time or you've never seen it, uh, we're going to be spoiling a lot of it a little bit later. So just an FYI, but this is the general log line of the film. A family in the 1630s, New England is torn apart by the forces of witchcraft, black magic, and possession. I'm DB. Thank you. Hmm. Very vague. Hmm. But really, truthfully, is it's about uh, a young uh, young woman named Thomason whose family is excommunicated from the their community uh, for being too religiously zealous, zealous, religiously zealous, zealous, being overly zealous. Yeah. Uh, So they're excommunicated from their community and they go to live in the uh, wilderness by themselves, uh, where they uh, start to experience some hardships. Uh, and, uh, and there may be a devil involved <laughs> and there may be a witch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we're going to get into spoilers now. That is what the film is. Now let's ask the question, the witch, what's it about? Seth, I'd about? love to hear what you're thinking, man. Oh man. Uh, this, this is like, like I said, one of my favorite, uh, horror movies, um, because it taps into like the stuff that I'm legit scared of. Um, mm-hmm. was raised very religious. Uh, it is my religious, uh, life is a, uh, a struggle for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is very like close to home with, for mm-hmm. me with a lot of, a lot of, uh, stuff. So it, it hits on, it hits on, I grew up Catholic as well. So like there, when you grow up religious, there is this they put the, as they say, they put the fear of God in you. Yeah. Right. Like they, if you are 
behave in a way that's unacceptable to the church or to the teachings, they make make you feel pretty terrible and that you're yeah. that God's gonna smite you in some way, punish you. Well, and so like in this movie specifically, like the Puritans, I I was raised Southern Baptist, okay? Mm-hmm. Now that that's basically the Protestant, like I mean, you can you can follow that southern baptist line straight back to the puritans puritans yeah you can like in terms in terms of their like religious doctrine right right? the evolution the evolution of that of the puritans you can trace all the way down to to southern baptists yeah yeah so that the the scene that always hits me the like like whoa is when um caleb and and their his father are walking through the woods and and his father oh, is like his father's like basically drilling Caleb on the, the religious doctrine mm-hmm. and like Caleb's like breaking it down as to what that he is supposed to believe you know what i mean mm-hmm. and what he what he believes is that he is born a sinner into sin and the his only salvation is Christ right mm-hmm. And so, I mean, and that's essentially the religious doctrine I was brought up in. So, mm-hmm. like, I am inherently corrupt. There is nothing I can do. The only salvation I have and the only hope I have is Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, that that's the same exact, exact same mindset that I was raised in. Mm-hmm. So, if we're talking about what this movie is about, uh, to me, this film is about the inherent nature of, of evil in man and the eventual corruption of all men. So like, mm. that's, uh, that's what I think this movie is about. Okay. Uh, and and to, to go back to that scene, I, I, that's one of the scenes that I really highlighted as like a really good example of, of where to like find the thematics of this film. And it is that scene where Caleb and his father, William are walking through the woods. They're hunting, um, Again, spoiler, if you haven't seen this movie, uh, um, so their baby, the baby, the newborn baby, um, Caleb's little brother Samuel, was taken two weeks before um, into the woods and has not been seen since. They assume he's probably dead, but, you know. He was churned in... To butt baby jelly and then what? That's if we think that's actually what happened. But like, yeah, <laughs> like there is like Robert Eggers himself says it, it, it. This film can be taken very much like at face value as far as like the, the plot goes. Like, yes, yeah. like we can say all this stuff happened. But he was like, but there also is an interpretation where a lot of this is metaphorical. You know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can see how you can draw a metaphor from this movie for me i take it i take it yeah i take the plot as very as far as what we're being showing is what actually is happening because the the way it's presented Mm. it's not very viable that it's if it's not very viable that it's it is imagined you Mm -hmm. know um especially because there's not much interaction between the witch and the family really no no you know and so, and we even see the witch separate from the family. Well, this is occasion. this brings up something that we might talk about a little bit later. Is the title of this film, "The Witch," is this referring to the witch that we meet, quote unquote, early in the film, 
or is this referring to a different Anya character? Taylor Joy. Yes, is this referring to a different character later? Is she yeah. the the witch? Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, going back to that scene, Kate, they're walking through the woods. Their baby, their baby brother, William's baby infant child, was taken and ground into baby jelly, basically. <laughs> William and Caleb are, are going through the woods. They're going to check traps that William had laid uh, to hopefully catch some like rabbits and game because they are desperate for food. This is about two weeks after Samuel was taken. And you're right. They start talking about the basis of their religion and the idea that Caleb asks his dad, you know, we're all born of sin. And William says, yes, we're all born of sin. And he asks if that includes baby Samuel. And he says, yeah, it does. Um, and obviously that brings up the question, a question that a lot of people have about, particularly about Roman Catholicism and Christianity is, is because they all, a lot of the, these, uh, um, denominations have this opinion of original sin. Um, and people, a lot of people will say, well, then when babies are born, if a baby dies before it's baptized, is that baby damned, right? Is that baby in hell? And a lot of religious people would say, yeah, it is. And that's too some, much for a lot of people say, to handle. I would say some. some. Very, very devout of particular denominations would yeah. say yes. I mean. I, I, here's the thing. I, I would say that they believe that, but they don't want to say it because it sounds super callous and horrible. Yeah. It's, but it's also like – so like – if you were to ask a Southern Baptist that a Southern Baptist would not believe that mm -hmm. like they have created this whole concept called the age of, of accountability. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you've reached the age of accountability where you have, you, you have come to the point where you have a basic understanding of right and wrong mm -hmm. and you can have, you have the free will to choose to follow mm -hmm. Christ. Then you are, you have now, you, you are now responsible for your own fate. Mm -hmm. But if you were to die before then, you would be magically taken into mm -hmm. What a way to get around it. Yeah. <laughs> but Well, I mean, it, there is like some stuff in the Bible that kind of leans towards that. Well, I mean, and even like something that we've talked about before is this idea of grace, right? Is that... Yeah. You can never truly earn your way into heaven. At least that's what the, the, the consensus is. Like you're never yeah. good enough to be in heaven. Like the only yeah. way you get into heaven is through the grace of God. God has to allow yeah. it. Um, and you can't really earn that. It's, it's too grand. It's too great to be earned. It is just – it is grace. It is, it is without merit, right? Right. And so for like babies, young children and things like that – you you hope and and this is something that that William even says in the film is you have to and I have it actually written down here. Um, we pray that he hath entered God's kingdom. Place faith in God, Caleb. So he's basically saying, I mean we we hope that God had you know gave Samuel grace yeah. for you know yeah like he's not saying that for sure Samuel's in hell, but he's like. All we can hope is that he was given grace by God. You know, we can never know. We can never know. Yeah, yeah. and for little Caleb, that's really hard thought to have. You know about about 
and gives him a crisis of faith a little bit of like how could a, how could a god let a young child die in this way and then and then send it to hell for no fault of its own you know just the yeah. wicked deeds of others um yeah and and so he and his father get in this big fight about about faith and you know his dad yells at him he's basically like yeah like just keep believing in god just keep you know pray like say your lord's prayers and and all that jazz but it is a, a moment in the film where it, you start to see the cracks form in this family for like, yeah. in Caleb in particular like we see it in Thomason really early which is Anya Taylor-Joy's character um and obviously the the twins are freaking nightmares they are yeah they're so <laughs> those freaky. twins are those twins are nightmares they're horrible <laughs> the worst i love children but those kids suck yeah. <laughs> yeah they're they're definitely the bad guy in the family the kid the kids are black like, philip, wait, wait. black philip <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i that i mean there's so much to talk about with each with everybody i think mm-hmm. um but you're right. Like when it comes to the ideas and themes of this film, that is one of the scenes that really hits it of like this crisis of faith and this idea that these cracks are forming in this ideology, this theology. Yeah. Um, and for me, the thing I came away with this film is kind of similar to like the back half of your, of you, what you're getting out of this. And it is this idea that the devil comes for you when you're at your most vulnerable. We yeah. see him break you, you know, we see his plots and his plans to break you down. And then when you are at your lowest is when he appears, you know? Well, I mean, but that's also like when grace comes through, like mm. ideally, you know, mm-hmm. like that's uh, like the devil will be there when it's the worst, but, God will be there too is the notion of grace. Hopefully. Right? Yeah. And, but it's not, like, spoiler, not in this movie. But I, but I guess where I would disagree with you, I mean, like, I, I would agree with that statement, mm-hmm. but with what the film is like evoking, it's where you leave yourself open for the devil to get in. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, one of the lines that William says is we don't li- I forget exactly, but it's like, we don't leave ourselves open to the devil. We don't, mm-hmm. we don't lay open to the devil, you know? And, mm-hmm. and like, that's something that's recurring in Christianity is like, you always have to be sober and on watch because mm-hmm. the devil is prowling, waiting to devour, you mm-hmm. know? So like, there's just so much, uh, and I think that I think it's highlighting in this movie how hard that is. You know, I think mm-hmm. Caleb really is the he he's kind of the protagonist in this movie. Like, I think Caleb is he's the catalyst of this film in that and that he he carries the burden of the theme where yeah. where Thomason, who's the you're right, like Caleb. We're following Thomason's journey. So Thomason is the, the protagonist, but Thomason is a passive protagonist. She's not making a whole lot of choices. Things are happening to her. I, I, um, was, th- I, I was thinking it's interesting as well, I was watching this is like this film almost has like a layered protagonist 
darkness to it. Right. Well, right. Well, that's and, – and, and you're right because it's the – again, spoiler alert, the devil or at least some kind of demonic being, it's assumed yeah. to be the devil, is systematically breaking this family down. Yeah. Because we learn that the, the devil is in connection with the witches of this area. Like they are servants of his. They are in, in his book. So they are connected with him. So yeah. this family has isolated themselves from their community and has made them e- way which, easier to to screw yeah, with. Which is kind of a like – it's kind of a sin in itself because they aren't excommunicated. They choose to leave. They did choose to leave, yeah. They, they could choose have, to leave. They could have repented, yeah. Yeah, and – Would you say and, maybe like – a seven deadly sins type of thing where it's like pride of the family, pride well, of the father. Sarah, Sarah was actually trying to like break that down and, and like lust of each. Caleb's lust. Yeah. And- yeah. But what I'm specifically saying is thou shalt like, you shouldn't forsake assembly. Like that's in the Bible. Don't forsake mm-hmm. assembly. So like the fact that they have broken away from the church and they're no longer in this community makes them vulnerable, more mm-hmm. vulnerable. And, they think and, it's it's keeping them stronger. Yeah, like it's but they're really, they're more devout. But really, they need the community. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You, like, I know me personally. When I'm isolated, is when I'm at my most mm-hmm. vulnerable. You know what I mean? Like when your your head is what gets to you, mm-hmm. and now they're starving, right? And there's no mm-hmm. one to help them. I mean, I mean, that's honestly, if we're gonna go like a realistic take on this film is they're they're starving to death and they're starting to hallucinate and like well that's that's one thing that some people have pointed to is like this there is a a particular kind of fungus uh that grows on like plants and stuff like that usually it's like wheat and rye um but they there is shown that there is like some kind of uh you know uh fungus that's killing their crops their corn so people are thinking maybe it's it's this this there you know that's been known this fungus that grows on rye and wheat is is known to give hallucin- hallucinations so people yeah. are saying maybe it's that but what's i it's not though yeah but what's what's what is it called the the, the big the big the big outlier in this film if if that's the way you want to want to go is the mm-hmm. is the scene the witch scene that we get early on in the film if it's a hallucination you leave that out or one of the characters has to be present. I think, you know, uh, like, you mean with the, with the, uh, the baby getting ground up. Yeah. Like that, witch scene, uh, that's right. Or got, or That's right. That, witch scene completely, I think invalidates the hallucination hallucination argument. Like that, witch scene is like, okay, no, we're taking this as face value, Witches are real and or which is which is our we're a thing our thing and these people are dealing with one mm. and yeah I, I don't really think there's a way around that with the way the film is presented no i would i would agree i definitely take this film again as as if what we're seeing is what's happening um uh, again, that the the disease that you can get from like eating like b- like bad rye and wheat is called ergot syndrome. Uh, yeah. 
it causes hallucinations. They say actually it may have been an actual factor in the Salem witch trials. So I think this film was trying to maybe lay that with this this yeah. corn, this bad corn. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think I think it's very straightforward. Um, something interesting that in my research that I found was apparently legend says old old New English legend says that witches would needed the the fat of a baby to make them fly to create a flying ointment so they they would huh. render the fat from a baby uh, and rub it on themselves and on their brooms to allow them to fly so like allegedly it, that's what it seems like is happening because she is she rubs it on on that on her that stick that she was holding yeah, yeah, yeah. and herself clickety clackety clickety clackety clickety clackety yeah. i am the witch of the wood <laughs> i am the witch of the wood <laughs> oh my god those twins oh but that, what you let's go back to what you're saying so it is you're right it does feel layered in as far as like who who is being targeted right because yeah, we do yeah. see thomason's not not unless unless it's like a long play for Thomason. Thomason's not being targeted directly. Her family is targeting her, but the, the, all those happening is not targeting her. First, Samuel was targeted, which is to fuck with the whole family. Yeah. The twins are always kind of being manipulated by Black Philip. We see that early on, uh, and then Caleb is absolutely the target until he dies, and then the yeah. mother's the target. The father's unflappable. That's why he just got. He just has to die. <laughs> well, his sin is interesting. Uh, the The whole William ending is really, I think, pretty metaphorical. It's it's a big statement, right? Mm-hmm. Like William is William represents the Protestant work ethic. Like mm-hmm. William, William. It, and it, and that that lives on within the South and lives on mm. within the, the religious communities, in that just believe in God and work hard. Like that whole mindset is what uh, Christians in the South think, mm. and and you see that with William in that he's just he continues to chop wood. Yeah, like he he just keeps chopping wood. So even much wood. Every, even, even, and then it kills him. Mm-hmm. It, it all, his work falls on him. And what do you think it, that kills him or the, or the horn? Well, in the, gut? the devil knocked him into it, but then it, it's like, it, it ended up falling on mm-hmm. him, you know, like, mm-hmm. and so that, that to me is where really where we're highlighting this whole, con- this concept of eventually it's all corruptible. Eventually mm-hmm. even the things, everything becomes an idol. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we see that in the mother, right? Like when uh, she's, she's so desperate for her children to be alive again, she's dancing with the devil, you know, mm-hmm. like having conversations with the devil, trying to get her children back. And, you know, she's hallucinating that her children are there and a raven is pecking at her breast, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's because she's so so she idolizes her children. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think this movie's brilliant in that, in that it, it does it does show a lot of cracks in the religious thinking, or it, like a lot of sadness and unfairness. But it also shows like kind of like kind of reinforces the thought too. Like it's so hard 
it's so hard not to succumb to your weaknesses and vulnerabilities as a human being. I, yes, I would agree with you. I mean, I do agree with you. I think that's definitely in there. For me, if we're looking at who this film is following, and it is Thomason, we do yeah. get moments of like other characters kind of driving the story because it is very much like untraditionally structured in that way. But this film is a is about a young girl's descent into creating a covenant with with the devil, the devil. right? Yeah. Right. Like it's like how is a witch how is a witch created? Yeah. And like and then you think about like at the end of the film where you see this whole coven basically and you think about those were all people, you know, those are our people yeah. who all probably had a similar type of eventual corruption. And so for Thomason like and I was thinking about this because I was reading I was reading some some interpretations of this film on like the Wikipedia while I was doing my research. They had like their own interpretations. And they're like, oh, it's about like how Thomason and and uh, you know how the devil like creeps in because Thomason is experiencing all this sin and 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 uh, uh religious oppression. And I was like, what did I watched the movie again and I was like, Thomason is not doing anything. She she Everybody else around her is is doing the sins, you know. Her brother is lusting after her incestuously. Her father, like you said, so very proudly proclaimed that his family was more devout than anybody else in the community, and and left her. You know, her 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 siblings are literally talking to the devil, and she's being demonized by everybody. But truthfully, what has she done? Nothing. She's like not done anything. That's like the whole point right. of the movie is that she is a victim who befalls this tragedy, if you want to call it a tragedy. Some, you know, some people look at this as like a, a religious exodus in a way that she's free, right? Because she's happy at the end. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that's debatable. But some people, some people look at this movie like she's out from underneath the thumb of religious oppression, right? Like yeah, there is right. a. There is a hedonistic freedom. But so, her face at the end, I think, is very intentional. Mm-hmm. Of course. Like, like it's very like she's smiling and then she like cringes. It's like it's like a, a painful smile. Mm-hmm. It's not. Um, but like I, I but like I, I was like reading this and they're like, oh, because she's lusty. I was like, she's a woman and she's got, you know, sexual or I was like, where is that in the film? I don't see her being lustful or sexual in any way throughout the entire movie until the very end. Yeah, no, I, I don't think I don't think that's the I don't think so. I'm going to try to break down Thomas's so this Thomason's the hardest one. She right? that's what I'm saying, because she honestly like she is pretty innocent throughout the whole well, film and she gets blamed for everything. Right. But I think the sins of others mm-hmm. begot more sin. Mm-hmm. Right. Like a pedophile, like corrupts a young child and that young child grows up to be a pedophile, you mm-hmm. know? So like, I think, I think what we're seeing here with Thomason is, is the sins of everyone else eventually cause her own corruption. Mm-hmm. And, but, in, but I think where Thomason, 
where you're you're not giving her credit or not not or you're giving her too much of the benefit of the doubt is okay. that her her internal life is a lot darker than um she well she's the, very much shown as being weirdly enough the black sheep of the family she's definitely doesn't agree with her family's decision to leave the yeah. community that's very clear yeah. that's like our first opening image is they all leave and she's does not want to go. She disagrees with them. And so she's at odds with her family throughout the whole thing. And so definitely there's resentment. I think that that's definitely there. But so maybe well, her sin is like the honor thy father and mother, right? Like maybe, maybe inside she's secretly hates and resents her father and her mom. And maybe that's and her I, sin. I, and I think we see a little bit of witchcraft from her. In what part? Uh, when she scares uh, Mercy. Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. So let's, let's do, so, okay. All right. We got to, this is going to get a little bit abstract here, but you know, that's my, it's my MO. Uh, so what, how do you define a witch? I don't know. See, because that's the thing. The witch is a witch is at least as far as we know, not an actual quantifiable thing. Um, yeah, it's, and there's throughout all cultures, even our own culture, like what is a witch? What is like, what is, can a witch do? What is a witch? Like different accounts of what witches are and like where they come from. I think it's so hard to say it. Like it comes down to like personal belief of like, of honestly, of like culture and mythology. But, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously we don't even know, like there's a lot going on with witches in mythology and, in history, I mean, across um, all cultures, there are like people who can perform thing magic of some sort. Across all cultures, there's there's some kind of witch-like characters. Yeah, most and, of the time they are they are considered to be not good creatures. You know, usually e- evil would be the word a lot of people would, would say. But in other times, they're 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 benevolent. So it's hard to say. It's. To me, if I have to like boil down what I think a witch is, it's it's an entity that uses their emotional energy to affect the universe mm-hmm. selfishly. So, mm-hmm. so basically, someone who leans in to the fact that they have energy mm-hmm. to affect their world from an emotional point place. Mm-hmm. So like, so, uh, it's, it's, I think that the moment that the moment that we see Thomason lean into this moment with mercy, where she just buys into the lie. Mm-hmm. Right. And it might be a joke. Kinda, but she's mm-hmm. angry, right? You know, she's angry at her, and she's going to teach her a lesson. And mm-hmm. it's almost like she just like lets go into her own emotional. She's she's just no longer a steward of her energy. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? She's no longer yeah in control, in control of mm-hmm. or or in not just in control. She's she's em, embracing her control. Mm-hmm. to a degree you know mm-hmm. uh 
how she can infect affect the environment through her emotions. Okay. And and so like and and what she says in that moment taps into some like whoa, Thomason, mm-hmm. like how, like her imaginative thoughts are pretty demonic. Like I'm the witch of the wood when I sleep my spirit slips away from my body, dances naked with the devil. She's thought that. You know, like Mm -hmm. that's, and, and if we know anything about like Christian theology and thought, the the thought of the sin is as bad as the sin. Yeah, man. So us Christians are messed up. (laughs) Well, I mean, like, I mean, like, like a perfect example is lust, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's better to pluck out your own eye than to lust after a woman, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. You know, so like the fact that she's had these thoughts is like what I'm saying is leaving her open to. Yeah, I guess. I guess I guess she she would be guilty in the same way that like Caleb is guilty because we see very much that Caleb lusts after his sister. We see it. You see him leering a couple of times. Um and so I guess you're to your to your credit. I mean, that's a good point that she's had these thoughts of, you know, dancing naked with the devil, you know, like just the fact that she's had those thoughts does leave her probably open and vulnerable to to corruptibility. I did, I'm just saying, like, she may not be doing physical things, things mm-hmm. that are like we can see, but she clearly has an internal world that is dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think if you have that internal world that is dark, you, I mean, inherently are corrupted. You mm. know, so you, so here's a question that I see posed as like interpretation of this film, and I want to hear your thoughts. Do you think that the devil in this film was targeting Thomason, or do you think he would have taken anybody? Like, because we do see him offer the book to the mother first. So do you think that? he was just targeting the family in general and Thomason was just the only one left? Or do you think he was specifically, if we're talking from a religious, if we're talking from a religious spiritual place, he'll take everybody. He'll take everybody, you know? Mm. And I think he got in with the twins back in the town. Freaking twins. So like, I don't know if they had black Phillip at that time. It doesn't, I don't. So, okay. Okay. It's not black Phillip. So, I was thinking about the twins a lot. The twins mm-hmm. are, are really cool because they're almost a plot hole. Like mm-hmm. the twins don't, the twins don't make sense really. Uh, like why would they be the ones that are corrupt? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have a, do you have an answer? I have a, I have like a thought breakdown, but I wonder like, cause like when I was watching it the other night, I was like, this is almost a plot hole. But then I, I figured out, I think, what it is. I think I would say that the twins were targeted first because they're the most impressionable. Like, young children are very, are you know, with imagination and they're, like, it's very easy to, like, I'm Black Phillip and, like, I can tell you that you can do whatever you want. And, like, little kids are like, yeah, the ghost says I can do whatever I want. And, like, it's like people can pass that off as, like, kids being kids kind of thing. Yeah. So I think they're just it's it's way easier to manipulate a child because they don't have the logic of like what the f is going on here. 
Yeah. Where everybody I mean, I else, think- like Caleb and and Thomason, and of course the you know William and the mother, of all are are really aware of the devil's influences. Yeah. You know. And so, well, the, but the twins aren't. I think the twins. I think they are representative of the times. So, mm-hmm. like everybody else is older, everybody else has been indoctrinated into the church, mm-hmm. and then we go and we have the twins who have grown up in this town and in, in in the new country, mm-hmm. right? And they know all these nursery rhymes, which are mm-hmm. which are secular, right? Mm-hmm. They're secular nursery rhymes, and so like I think I think they are the most uh, open because they haven't been indoctrinated so right. intensely by the church. Yeah. yeah. And, but they've also been influenced by secular influences, right? Mm-hmm. Like these nursery rhymes. So they're like giving in to folly, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so like, they're not even aware that it's the devil or they don't even right, care. Of course. They don't know. But it's like, it's like they, I think they're representative of the progressive, like letting the degra- go of the pure of pure of the of puritan yeah yeah it's the it's the it's the you're right that's it, a good point because thomason and caleb both talk about how they they were born in england they remember yeah. having a how a home in england uh they had a nice home they had a dog they had they had Glass a house windows. with windows yeah. yeah like they had a they must have been pretty well off actually in england yeah, yeah. and they Thomason remembers it very clearly. Caleb says, I remember some things. So the twins probably, if not born, like were babies when they were in England or born, maybe even born on the trip over or born here, you know, depending on how long they've been, they've been in New England. I don't think they ever said how long they had been in New England, but that's a good point. It is a, a, a and it does represent the fact that like Puritan culture is not really as much of a thing anymore i think there may be right. puritans around still I like mean, at least or like a, a a form of puritan t- puritanism but definitely not the way it was there's um, definitely like certain certain sects of christianity that are very strict mm-hmm. you know a uh, like jehovah's witness ch- well mm, that's a, that's a different thing but like church of christ is oh, yeah. extremely strict i mean then you like you can actually like go I mean, if you're talking about like uh, Amish, oh, like, I mean, like I say, like, yeah, Mennonite, Mennonites, yeah. you know, that's yeah, like I was a, just gonna a say. pretty direct connection. But like the, the twins are represent, yeah, the representative of the degradation of the church or the degradation of, of of puritanical belief. So the devil gets in through them, and there's a witch in the woods, right? Mm-hmm. Uh. Caleb is, I think, honestly, the most vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know, like he is a young man, like going through puberty and like he's attracted to his sister, which he makes him hate himself, you know, mm-hmm. like he like legit hates himself mm-hmm. for his, for because he knows it's like wrong to lust, but the only woman around is his sister, you know, and it's Anya Taylor Joy, you know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> careful there she said uh but <laughs> so like uh there you know so he's corrupted through lust i mean he goes out and has a good time with that witch uh does and he then, 
Oh yeah, I think. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) That weird (laughs) hand comes up, and I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They seem pretty aggressive. Yeah, I mean, I love that that whole. uh, That's a great sequence when he sees the the young witch. It's oh man. Yeah. Um, So, I I think what's happened, like what we're saying it with Thomason is all of this stuff is happening around her mm-hmm. and like, even like her mother attacking her. I mean, she eventually murders her mom in self-defense in self-defense, you know? but it's yeah. like, it's still murder, you know? Yeah. So like, I think it just, it's highlighting how dip and, and I think this is something that I've learned through my spiritual walk is like, the whole point is if you're living on this planet, you're going to get corrupted. Like mm-hmm. if you're living here, it, you're never going to do it right, you know? Mm. But I think, I think personally, I think where the religion gets it wrong is that not, not the religion. I'm going to say, I have to say this correctly. The people within the religion, right? The religious culture really, really does not take the Christian message the way it should be. Right. Because so it, Right. So the, then this is, this is something that I think comes up a lot in our current, and I think is very prevalent right now with like all this political in our political climate with the discussion of banning of abortions and uh, female reproductive rights. Um, A lot of that's coming out of, you know, a lot of anti-abortion pro pro pro-life lawmaking um, politics comes out of, religious uh doctrine mm-hmm. and comes from people with you know backgrounds in in religion um growing up catholic or you know what have you um and then there's that argument of like separation of church and state but also like we get into the whole question of gosh where was i going with this um the way that that i think sometimes religious people demonize others you know, yeah. You know, we get into oh, like Westboro Baptist Church. You know, yeah, like that stuff. The way they treat, you know, pe- people in the LGBTQ community, the way they treat, you know, women um, uh, who've had abortions and things like that. It, it, it. You know, the Bible. You know, Jesus said he loved thy neighbor, right? You're supposed to love everybody, right? And it doesn't seem like a lot of people in certain faiths they hate people. They hate people. Uh, well. But this is, and this is, this is what I'm, I think I'm trying to say is like, mm-hmm. it creates a culture of self-hatred, mm-hmm. right? Shame. So like, it, which is not love. you like, like, mm-hmm. like, so what ends up happening is, is like, I'm a horrible, this mindset of I'm a horrible person. I'm a sinner. I don't deserve anything, which creates like a self-hatred, which mm-hmm. self-fulfilling is, prophecy in a way you'll yeah. just do more bad yeah. stuff. Yeah, and 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 I think that the Christian, actual Christian doctrine is kind of the opposite of that. It's like, mm. it's like, yeah, you are corrupt, but it's okay that like it's okay, like mm. there is grace, so that's okay, you know. Like mm. you're never going to be able to do it. Like the whole point, I think the whole point of this existence is to go look, like. You're never going to be able to do it on like the whole point of me doing this is to prove that you need something else, you know, mm-hmm. like, like, 
the whole point of reality in, in this existence is that it's you're never going to be able to do it on your own, you know, mm-hmm. that and kind of back to the stuff that we've been talking about in past podcasts is like, are you alone in the universe? Mm-hmm. Like, because if you are, you're never going to make it. Mm-hmm. And nice. so I th- and so like I think being plugged into this reality is to let us know, hey, you're never going to make it alone. And and you if if you think you're going to get out of this without some sort of corruption, some sort of degradation, degradation or I mean it, it, it's it's impossible to get out of this alive. You know? So mm-hmm. I choose to believe that we're not alone, you know, and that there is grace. And I think that that's the problem. I think that's the problem with a lot of Christian culture is they get so focused on I'm wrong. I have to be right. Mm. Now I have to make the world right. Yeah. And and it's up to me to do so. Like Mm -hmm. it's up to my merit, which is completely against what right. race you're right and there is an idea of like oh we have a responsibility to save ever to save other sinners right yeah. that's my responsibility to save that woman to save that that life you know and what i think a witch is is someone that does not acknowledge that they have any control or say and they lean into their own selfishness so it's like a witch is someone who is completely thrown out. Uh, it, it's hard. To, it's, it is so hard to define, but I, I, what I mean is, it's like they, a witch is someone who has disregarded others mm-hmm. in their pursuit for their own desires and will use use their emotional energy or whatever, anything that they can to get what they want, Mm. you know? And, uh, it's, that's scary. Like, Mm. like, I mean, maybe a a modern representation of that would be like a sociopath, Mm. you know, like someone who will do anything to get to where they want to be. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Uh, emotional energy is interesting. You know, like, have you ever been this? This is going to get a little creepy for me, but like, go for you, it. You, you ever been in a room and someone gets really, really angry about something and then a chair breaks or something like I, that? I mean, I, where something like falls down or yeah, out of nowhere, like, oh, that just yeah, fell or yeah. 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 And, and so, also some like we so we we've done a lot of improv right mm-hmm. and like we can attest to like if you're letting go to the moment in a major way you start to tap into some weird stuff like you might guess somebody's actual middle name or like or like all like there's been stories of like people have passing away and like all the stages are talking about it, like in the same theater doing improv. Mm-hmm. And then some, all three had the same theme. 
like mm-hmm. like lining up. I mean, and and no lie, like when you do the Herald and you all kind of like let go into like that like wreathing mm-hmm. opener, you know? Mm-hmm. There's something very witchy about it. And then and then like Del Close, Del Close was like known to like bring up satanic rituals in in classes Mm -hmm. and he would be like whatever you're afraid of go towards that so he would do like satanic rituals in class so i'm not saying that improv is witchcraft satan's work but what i'm saying is is like this emotional freedom letting go of this emotional freedom has power and then if you Mm -hmm. can figure out how to like cultivate that and like drive it towards your own will Mm -hmm. there might be there might be some sort of something to that you know and maybe Mm -hmm. i I don't i don't know man i just like i i i i feel like we have studied the dark arts in a lot of ways you know Mm -hmm. what i mean well you know i just looked at i just looked it up and apparently the herald is also endorsed by the satanic temple so yeah (laughs) (laughs) just kidding but I mean, like acting itself is a complex philosophical conundrum, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're an actor, you're lying for a living, but you're probably telling more truth than most people because mm-hmm. you've tapped into something human, like an emotion, you know, like a real mm-hmm. true emotion. So it's like, it's a very, it's very complex to be a person, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and right and wrong is very very not easy always no and And i think if this movie demonstrates at all is that we like you said we are all susceptible like even when you think that you're not even when you think that you're doing it right that you're that you're following whatever moral code you know that you think is is the correct way to live life we are all human and we are all subject to sin, if you want to call it sin, or you know, but all think, subject to doing bad. Yeah, but what? Where the witch is? I guess this is what I'm trying to keep hit, hitting is like the witch has thrown out all care to be good, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's I think that's really like important to keep keep in mind it's like you the moment you start the moment you just quit caring and start pursuing your own will mm-hmm. totally that's that's when it gets like there is evil you know what i mean right. and you can completely well, succumb to it so yeah to me to me what you're making me feel about this movie is like it is it's like all about the fact that this family has isolated themselves right it is yeah. they've taken themselves away from their community and, and completely cut themselves off by their own choice. And it is then that they are they fall into darkness. And it is this idea of like what is one of the most cruel ways of punishing somebody is solitary confinement. You know, to the yeah. point where we're like like we still use it in our prison systems these days, but they're to the point where people are like, is that too cruel? to do to somebody because what happens when you're in solitary confinement for a long period of time, you literally lose your mind irreparably. Like isolation literally drives you to madness. And, and, 
for me, I feel like when we look back at like, and this is maybe a little bit triggering and I apologize, but like looking back at like a lot of moments in this country, especially recently with like mass shootings mm-hmm. um, and horrible attacks. When you look at a lot of those people, like what is something a lot of them have in common? And a lot of it is they isolated themselves from others. They were yeah. lonely and and they felt disconnected from others. And so what did they – eventually they get to this point where they're so disconnected from others that they have no empathy for, for human life anymore and are just angry and and, you know, like – they they per- perpetrate these horrible acts because they just don't care anymore yeah. about about themselves. Because like if you cared about your own life, what you know? Why would you? You know, a lot of those things end in the perpetrator being killed on site, right? Like rarely do those people make it out of there. Yeah. So, um, if you cared about your own life or anybody else's life, why would you do those things? You know. So I get like once you start to take yourself away from community, yeah. you start to the devil when you know, when you're vulnerable, when you're alone, who saddles up beside you, right? Well, that's so okay. Now we're getting really with Thomason especially, right? Mm-hmm. He comes like for her they, when she's all alone, when she's the last well, one. She goes to him. That's true. She f- seeks him out when she's when she's alone. Yeah. So like that's that's where we're getting into some like really like nitty-gritty. Right. Some people would argue right. though what chance did she have at that point? She's two that's days two days on horseback away from town. Well, it's also no food. It's, it's also self-fulfilling. It's also like I think this is really what the the film is enforcing is that if someone believes that there's no way out and that this is the only route, they're going to mm-hmm. take that route. You know, mm-hmm. like Thomason, Thomason doesn't look, it doesn't look good for Thomason. Like, even if she decides to go back, they're going right. to think she's a witch. Right. Well, she did kill her mom. Yeah. Her twins were, yeah. you know, were murdered while she was in the barn with them. Were they? I, that was confusing. I thought they were, those were goats on the ground. They were, but I, I the they were twins are abducted. just, are gone. They were yeah, abducted, they were just, but yeah, okay. what do you, th- what do you think happened to them? I mean, we don't know. Yeah, like we don't know. What, what do you think the witch twins. did with two young children? Probably ate them. Probably ate them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Hanzo and Gretel style. Yeah, yeah. So but yeah, like, I mean, it's it's implied that the witch took them and probably killed them. Like yeah. it's 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 not seen. You're right. You don't see them, but it's highly implied. Yeah. Because um, Thomason's uh, just left there. What are they going to do with a woman that's already already begun her womanhood? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I just. It's not looking good for it doesn't look good for Thomason. No, doesn't. But like she does it it's we're getting to like she does have a choice there. You know? Like in a way she does. But it's not a great choice and she doesn't really know what else to do. And like I think that's something that's lost for us that's that's so different in these movies like I was thinking about is like they're like they're so alone, like so alone, like no no phones, nothing. So like even just like think about it, like even Caleb going to look for his father, that's like insane, really. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, because there's no he has like 
no way of knowing where his father is. Like he's just walking out into the wilderness with no, like with, with nothing, you know, mm. like that, like, I don't think we fathom that sometimes it's like what it used to be like to just go outside, you know? Mm. Um, but yeah. So Thomason is like in the moment where she's finally, I like totally isolated. She does make a choice. And I mean, that's, that's horrifying. That's horrifying because like, I mean, it, it, it's almost in def, like, it's almost in defiance of her, her parents, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's almost in defiance of, of everything she's grown up with. It's, it's like all culminated mm-hmm. into this moment, you know? And it's so sad because it's like, would you like the taste of butter? You know, like, would is thou like to taste of butter? Like, that's such I a mean, great shot too. When like yeah. you, she's sitting there, and like there's that long pause where she, you don't think anything's anything's gonna happen. That she, you know, that this had all been a hallucination, or this had yeah. all been in their imagination. And then that that voice comes in, and then you hear, you see like a shadow move past the light, yeah. and then you see something shift behind her, and then you see that just that one little hand come down onto her shoulder. It's Oh, such a good, well, such a good see, cinematic you moment. His, you can see his face too. Yeah. Yeah. You can see like half of his face and it's like a mm-hmm. very handsome man, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I, I mean, I think it's brilliant because it just does show you how, I mean, it, it's so sad cause like that's her soul, you know, mm-hmm. she's like signing over her soul mm-hmm. and it's just it's 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 such a like gut-wrenching like gut-wrenching like build up to that you know because we're all like we're all for thomason right thomason thomason's endeared herself to us throughout the film yeah yeah and i think i think we can i think the reason why thomason is the protagonist it not because not in the traditional sense of the word protagonist and that she's driving the action because she's not she's like literally just along for the ride um, she's a protagonist because she's the character that I think we relate to in that yeah. we fe- sometimes feel, and not that this is true, but in real life, we feel like things are happening to us, right? Yeah. We're not driving our own stories. We, things, we're just moving through life and things are happening to us. Yeah. And sometimes you go through stints where it feels like a lot of bad things are happening to you all at once. Yeah. And so like for us, we see that in Thomas and it was just like, She's being persecuted and targeted by her family, and we just feel horrible for her because, like you said, even though we don't, she has dark thoughts and maybe dark a dark interior life, but like we don't see her act on any of that stuff, right? And so we feel bad because she's just getting blamed for everything, and it's not none of it's her, you know. But and so we feel for her, we sympathize. Because we feel that way a lot of times in our lives that we're just the victims of circumstance. But maybe that it's the unwillingness to accept that, like, the, the willingness that I need to be in control. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, maybe it's, 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 hey, no, screw this. I'm, I am in charge. 
You know what I mean? Well, according to this film, that's the bad. That's I mean, even to like your like way of like describing like what a witch is. Like that's like that's the temptation, right? Yeah, is to yeah. is to take control by by any means necessary. Yeah. Well, and that's I mean, but that's what that's essentially what Satan did, right? Mm. Like Satan was like, no, I want to be God. Like, mm. like I'm the most beautiful angel. Mm. I want to be God, and that was what got him cast out. Right. Mm. So, I mean, that's really what it is. It's when you say, I know it's up to me, like, mm. and I'll do anything to have my way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. We didn't go as personal today as I think we could, because this film is so not abstract, but meta, not metaphor, but it is very much like, faith-based right like it's it's hard to talk about a time when the devil came for you you know what i mean like you know what i mean or like like because this movie film is so dark and that's what when we were talking the other night that's why i was like this film is gonna be difficult to relate to not in not in a way that like i don't think we can't feel we can't feel when we watch it but what i mean is like it's hard to give an anecdote that comes anywhere close to something like this you know i don't know i think you can you can in the times in your life that you've struggled the most, you can, it's, it's in the seams of things. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I don't say the devil is, but I say God is in the seams of things. Like mm-hmm. when things get hard, but somehow something works out, it seems kind of like God was there, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, for me, like when the pandemic hit and I didn't have a job, and then my sister had was living in Tennessee, and then Sarah, her house was five minutes from my sister's place, mm. and so like we ended up moving here, which was like crazy that it was so close to you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like it was like the saddest time in our lives because we were going through a pandemic and lost a job and like didn't know what was going happening, but then there was like a place for us, you know, mm-hmm. and like. So I don't know, like to get like, if you want to get anecdotal, like I could get, I could go further. Like the time I snuck into the second city, uh, auditions, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Do you want to tell that story? We have a little bit of time here. If you want to share that, well, I am not as risk, risk taking as Seth is. So my life is a little bit more boring than that. So Seth, you haven't shared this story on the podcast yet. So please. But I mean, this is, I mean, but this is like because of my religious upbringing that I have Mm -hmm. done these things, you know, because Mm -hmm. like I, in my brain, God's real. So I should have faith, right? Like I should, Mm -hmm. I should just do it and hopefully it it works out. Yeah. So like I was, I was at second city uh, level. I had gone through the second level of the conservatory and I was trying to get in the third level and they just were not letting me in. You know, it was like. Mm I had gone three or four times to audition and it just didn't make any sense to me why I wasn't getting in. You know, I, looking back on it, I probably wasn't as skilled of a, of this, as an improviser. There was also, you know, we're in a different time period where like they're trying to make things more diverse too. Mm-hmm. So that was a factor. Um, and, but like I had devoted five years to trying to get into this thing. And like, it was like my whole life, 
right? Like mm-hmm. it was like, and I had seen this guy walk up, get like, get on the wait list, walk in and then just get cast immediately. And I was like, I'd seen this guy perform and I was like, he's not that good, you know, like, and second city is pretty culty. You know, like it's very. Yes, like, it is for anybody not in the know. It absolutely is. No, I mean, disp- not disparaging of the second city because it can teach you a lot. But it's, if you get wrapped up in the culture, sometimes it it's yeah. witchy. It's yeah. a little witchy. Uh, improv. Little... I mean, we joked about it earlier, but improv in general, like some of the behavior and some of the way the culture of like the 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 microcosm, you know, of the improv community is, it can be a feel that way sometimes. Yeah. It's so like, like, it's, I, it's like it's not an exaggeration. Knowledge. Yeah. It's like higher knowledge. Like I know this because I'm this talented and I like, I know this higher level of thinking that you don't have, Yeah, you know, and it's playing pretend, but mm-hmm. uh, so, so I decide that I'm going to go get on the wait list at this, at the audition and just, I'm going to do it this guy's way. I'm going to do it this guy's way. And I was the first one on the wait list and they were like, we're not going to let you in. And I was like, okay. And like something happened in that moment where I kind of like snapped a little bit. Like I was Mm -hmm. like, I was like, no, (laughs) yeah. Like, no, this is bullshit. Like, like, what do you mean? You're not going to let me in. And so I knew of where the back door was to the theater because I had a class that that was in that mm-hmm. room. And so I said, I like, I don't know, I like flipped a coin or something. And I was like, if, if it's heads, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to sneak into the audition. Mm-hmm. And so like I had done the audition so many times, I knew how the audition worked. And when they pulled up the new re-auditionees, you know, mm-hmm. So what I did was, and I, I took off my glasses backstage because I didn't want to see the faces see of the people faces. in the audience. Because I was, I'm very, very blind. And I was just so, I mean, like, I've never been more nervous in my whole life. I can honestly say that. Like, and because the, my thinking was, my thinking was, is the way that they have taught us at this school and mm-hmm. indoctrinated us is that you yes and, right? Mm. And, and like, all the all of the famous folk that you hear about that comes out of these programs supposedly did crazy stuff while they were there mm-hmm. you know they would like come in like completely obliterated and audition like on LSD or drunk or mm-hmm. or like or like create like Chris Farley's audition was epic and he was so drunk you know, you know like mm-hmm. like so I was like I gotta do something to make myself stand out you know mm-hmm. and so. I waited for them to call up the second auditioners, the re-auditioners, mm-hmm. and I just slipped behind the curtain and filed in line, you know, mm-hmm. and they all lined up and they went, I made sure to get on the end mm-hmm. and they went down the line, introduced because you say your name mm-hmm. and they get to me and I say, hi, my name's Seth Crow. I'm not on the list but I was hoping you'd let me play anyway. And I use that rhetoric specifically because it's play, right? Mm. Like, like that's another one of those indoctrination things. Like it's mm. all, it's about play. It's about having fun. It's about mm. 
accessing that childlike energy being playful yeah being playful and then immediately the whole room gets tense and it's like and norm norm holly's like what do you mean you're not on the list and i was like well i was like i i want i was on the wait list and you guys wouldn't let me in so i decided to improvise and again using their own rhetoric right mm. like like you said no, but I'm figured I like I improvised. You said no, I said no, but <laughs> <laughs> I said yes, and you said no. You know, like <laughs> you shouldn't say and, no. <laughs> yeah, and immediately Norm's like, "You need to go," and so like it was like you could like make diamonds in everybody's butts, mm-hmm. and you kn- and, knew Norm Holly at that time, yeah, right? Knew, like you I had knew, been acquainted yeah. with him. Yeah, and he, I think he liked me at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I left. I mean, I, I immediately got my stuff and went back the way I came because my glasses were back there, <laughs> you know. But, like, I got a lot of, like, hate after that. Like, mm-hmm. people were really mad at me. I got some really nasty emails. And I was just trying to, like, do anything to feel like I had mm-hmm. control, you know. And, like, that's an example of, like, trying to mm-hmm. take the control where you don't have it. But this is how I think grace shows up, right? Is like, because of that incident, I would never have met you. I don't think, or, uh, I don't think I would have ever gotten involved with a rough cut, you know, mm-hmm. like that incident, though it was maybe the devil coming for me in a weird way. Like it ended up turning into where I needed to be. Does that make sense? So like I, the way I look, kind of look at God is God lets the devil come until he's like, okay, you're not going to get that close. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he lets the devil come to a point where you can learn a lesson. Mm-hmm. But, but once you've learned the lesson, he's like, okay, all right. You know, be gone. Uh, ye. <laughs> yeah. Behind me, Satan. <laughs> That yeah, I, so, I always like hearing that story, man, because I do think it's a really good story. It's a weird, it's a it's a tragic story for me. It makes me feel bad. It makes me feel crazy. That story makes me feel. Oh, it was a crazy time in my life, and I uh, don't, I don't think so, because you're right. Like this is maybe we're going off on a tangent here, and we'll wrap it up in just a second. Um, but you're right. Like as far as like comparing art and acting in particular and improv to religion and religious yeah. institutions, there is a very, very clear similarity in this idea of indoctrination. You are, you are, when you start learning improv, when you start going to like IO, Second City, you know, the Groundlings, you are inundated with, with dogma, yeah. philosophy of how to do this thing. Like, and everybody has their different philosophies, right? Even if you go to like to the annoyance in Chicago and things, everybody has their own philosophy that they drill into these young performers or, you know, old, new performers trying to hungry to learn impressionable. They drill in their dogma and they expect you to follow their teachings, right? To the, to the, your most committed fullest self. Yeah. And, but they also want you to listen to what they say as far as like, we have a we have a, a set rules about the way we run this thing 
Well, and, and that run antithetical to the rules, to the dogma that they, yeah. that they teach. And they don't buy into their own bullshit. Exactly. Like, they're more concerned about money than they are about like, mm. I, I think that you and I, Ricky, were really good students of those schools. Yeah. Like we fully, we did fully buy into what they oh, were yeah. and committed to it, you know, to like a, an amazing level. Mm-hmm. And I think we, I think we learned a whole lot because of it. Oh, I absolutely did. I look back at my time very fondly. Like I don't like, sure. There were some things that were frustrating with the community and stuff like that. And it is very clicky and hard to like in, especially if you're new, if you're, it's hard to get into. So like, yeah, of course there was frustrations, but like, I think back on my time of like, I had a few really great teachers, like class teachers that I, to this day, still adore as people, as human beings, you know? Um, but they're, well, well, they're employed by a system, you know? Yeah. What was really guiding the ship was capitalism, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, oh, this person, this like, what was marketable within comedy at the time, mm-hmm. not somebody that's actually embodying our, our ideas, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we, we, you're right. We were indoctrinated. We, we were, I wouldn't say zealotous. We weren't zealots of improv, but we definitely were devout to improv. Yeah. And, and there were moments where, this is what improv says is the right thing to do, right? Like, you, like you said, I, I made a risky choice. Yeah. And that's what improv tells you to do. And we hear all these stories about these greats who took a risk and that they're admired for that risk that they took, even though it was against the rules. But they, because they're just – they took the risk. And it worked out for them and, the, and it's, it's romanticized. But in reality – when someone yeah. breaks the rules, they're punished for it. Yes. Usually. There's yes. Consequences. Yes. And so it's, this is where I, and like, this is, you know, to, to kind of like connect it back to the witch, like anything that is, that can become idolized, I think could, is like, is in a Christian sense, witchcraft. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when you are, you are, you are making this thing, this worldly thing, the guide of your entire being, of your entire mm-hmm. existence. That could be considered, I think, witchcraft, right? Now, the argument is, is like, okay, well, what's worldly? What's not worldly? You know, uh, I mean, we could get into like Christian philosophical debate. And we don't need to do that. But what I'm saying <laughs> is, is like, I think the, the core principle here is, if you make anything your be all end all total like absolute thing you're probably it's probably going to not be great at some point you know mm-hmm. like it's probably going like if you're obsessed with anything to the degree of it's all encompassing your whole brain it's probably unhealthy <laughs> mm-hmm. probably unhealthy yeah, because uh, you're isolate again. You're isolating yourself. You're right. You are. You're 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 turning. You're you're taking stuff away from other parts of your life in the pursuit of a, of a, a idealized thing, and that's yeah. you're right. It's it's dangerous. It's dangerous. And even thing. like r- religion itself, if it's isolating you to the point. I mean, yeah. 
it's that's that's really complicated that's really hard mm. but i think yeah that's what I, these I people did in this movie that's what these people I, did in this movie at the is. heart at the heart of this film is this horrible tragedy of isolation and alienation that ultimately results in the tragedy of the deaths of an entire family and the you know again the absolute corruption of a single soul yeah which i think makes this film very strong and why it is considered to be like one of the forerunners and and poster child children, poster children (laughs) of the elevated horror genre that is so popular these days and is, is uh, lauded. Um, It's fantastic. It's really great. Uh, It's not for everybody though. It's very slow movie. Not a whole lot's happening. And again, is very entrenched in religion. So like if that kind of stuff turns you off, you're not going to like this movie at all. Um, But if you're into horror and you're you're okay with like a very slow burn of a film and you don't you know you aren't turned off by religious themes check it out cuz it's phenomenally made film phenomenally made one of my uh, favorites yeah and has a lot to to reflect on so yes that is the end of our conversation of the witch that is what it's about to us uh what is it about to you we would love to hear what you guys think about the witch uh if you're watching along at home uh, and uh, Seth, speaking of which, what are we going to be watching next? Speaking of which. Um, ah. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to take a turn um, away from uh, religious existentialism. Um, Good idea. <laughs> uh, so this is a movie I've never seen, mm-hmm. but it's my birth movie. It's the movie that was number one uh, at, on my birthday. And okay. so I've, I've never seen it. I've always wanted to watch it. It is a classic comedy, A Fish Called Wanda. A Fish Called Wanda. A Fish Yay. Called Wanda. I've never seen it. So I have no expectations. A Fish Called Wanda. Okay. So have you seen it? Let me go ahead and pull that up. I've not seen A Fish Called Wanda. Okay. Okay. So I'm very excited. I've heard so much about it, but I've never actually seen it. So I'm definitely excited for this. So... People at home watching, we're going to be watching 1998's, sorry, 1988's The A Fish Called yeah. Wanda. Uh, you can find it on the Roku channel, on Sling TV, FUBU TV, Amazon Prime, Showtime, all with subscriptions. You can also find it on to rent on YouTube, Google Play Movies, Apple TV, Vudu, and Showtime Anytime with a subscription. Uh, so please, if you're watching along at home, oh, apparently it's also on Hulu. Well, there you go. You can, if you have Hulu, you got it. Uh, So, yes, thank you everybody for listening. Again, please let us know any films that you would like us to uh, invest in and uh, uh, interpret and uh, reflect on in the future. Uh, Let us know what you think of our past episodes. Uh, We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, Seth, before we go, go ahead and shout yourself out. Where can people find you? I am the Birdie Word on Twitter at the Birdie Word, T H E B I R D Y W O R D. You can find me as Seth Adam Crow on Instagram, and uh, I got a Crowcast, the Crowcast. It's T H E C R O W E C A S T. You can find that on Spotify and Apple Music. Awesome. And uh, again, we apologize for going a little long today. You know, lots of different reasons. But uh, I am, uh, you can find me personally at Ricardo Blade Diaz, R I C A R D O B L A Y D E D I A Z, at 
uh, TikTok and Instagram. Uh, I'm never on Twitter, so don't look for me there. <laughs> uh, and you can find both me and Seth on our Dungeons and Dragons show that we both play on, uh, Misfits of the Multiverse. Uh, that is on Character Player. That is on YouTube and Twitch at Character Player, just like it sounds. Uh, we have a new multiversal madness type uh, campaign going on right now where we are reality hopping and it's going to be very very interesting so please go check us out there you can find us again also at tiktok and instagram at character player for all of that awesome dungeons and dragons stuff uh otherwise thank you all so much for sticking with us today we will see you next time on the what's it about film podcast we'll see you later adios bye